0: Head over to bombus.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. Hey everybody, welcome to Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure. I'm Matt Meyer. my I'm a dumb. Oh, Ooh, that's Dory.
1: I'm Dory Shafir. My eggs are old
0: great here we are doing a podcast uh thanks so much for uh, writing and telling us how much you love me uh and mostly me wait what i don't know that any of that happened i don't read the emails until i see them in front of me at the podcast
1: are you feeling insecure
0: <laughs> a little bit you know it's Why? just hard doing all this yoga i just i just want to feel loved
1: I know Matt has gotten really into yoga and it's like one of my favorite things that's happened uh, in a long time. I'm
0: not really into yoga. I'm Guys, just,
1: uh, he's super into yoga. He's doing it every day.
0: I just do yoga every day. In his office. In my office with a yoga mat. And he and found, now I'm like, I need a new yoga mat. I need a better yoga mat.
1: I can make some suggestions. Great. And then I, when I was in San Francisco last week, he went into the closet in my office and found the yoga blocks that I had because he needed some yoga blocks.
0: Uh, I needed a yoga block. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm really opening up and stretching that right hip. I I get it. Got to have a block, you know, and I won't need a block if I keep doing it.
1: Right. Yeah. That's how it works. Uh, How did you stumble upon this, this yoga? uh,
0: How did I stumble upon this yoga? Uh, I'm doing the DDP yoga, Diamond Dallas Page, former, former professional wrestler uh, of the WCW and then later the WWE. Um, yeah, I don't know. I saw it when they, when they, they did a documentary about Jake the snake who was in rough shape. Um, Mm -hmm. and DDP kind of took it upon himself to make, uh, Jake the snake do yoga for a long period of time to get him back into a reasonable human being shape. Oh, wow. Then he was on shark tank pitching this yoga thing. And then I was,
1: did anyone invest?
0: I don't remember. I don't think so. Um, but I, you know, I'm always looking for something that I can do without leaving the house. Right. So, and I am particularly out of shape lately. So, it felt weird to just go back into lifting weights. Because I'm right. like, well, uh, and then. Because
1: you, you've done that before and gotten injured.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, I've decided to do yoga and uh, doing a little bit of running. hmm I'm, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to go for a run tonight. Mm-hmm uh and that's that i'm gonna try to run the half marathon in las vegas in november
1: i am just so pleased about all of this i'm
0: glad you're pleased honey it's really why i do everything no it's not uh yeah it's my therapist he thinks it's mostly i do all the things because of you so really yep what about Bo? uh Bo is an extension of you when Bo's unhappy dory's unhappy that's true yep Hmm. anyway thanks for coming out to see dory in san francisco
1: yeah i met mary who did all those uh all that data for us
0: we love data that's we, the name of that episode yeah i think it was called they love data no that wasn't the name that, of that was a episode. different that episode. episode that was a different episode yeah. just about how uh, uh, how much data, data they need which is ridiculous
1: yeah no mary came to my Madewell appearance that's great it was very nice did of her did she
0: pick up a uh boyfriend blouse while she was there
1: no oh. but she did pick up a copy of the book oh, that's great Um, and I have two more appearances coming up. Okay. For all of you people in Chicago, Chi town, I will be at Madewell. Oh, this Friday. Oh my God. From five to seven signing books,
0: 5. PM to 7. PM. Yes. And you're leaving in the morning from here. Yes. This is a very, I'm, I'm just very worried about this situation.
1: Okay. I understand.
0: (sighs) Guys, I hope that she makes it into town. Do you know what it's like to get from the airport in Chicago into Chicago? I'm
1: flying into Midway. Uh Uh-huh. I hear there's a train. (laughs) I don't know. I've been to Chicago twice in my life. What time do you land? I have no idea. In Chicago. I don't know any. I forget all of the details.
0: Well, I hope that she makes it. So go to Madewell at 5 p.m. on Friday in Chicago. It's the
1: Rush Street location, if that means anything to anyone.
0: I'm sure it means a lot of things to a lot of people. Who live there? It's yeah. The Rush Street location, and uh, rush on over there and see if she got there.
1: <laughs> and then on Sunday, uh, June eleventh at one p.m., I'm going to be on a panel at the Printer's Row. Sunday. Sunday.
0: When do you get back to Los late Angeles
1: on Sunday?
0: Are we gonna have to record like Thursday? We might. Oh boy. Or we
1: could record late on Sunday. I feel like
0: none of that's appealing. I know. So I, think I keep Thursday hearing is. a
1: weird like clicking. I don't. Hmm.
0: You know, okay. if you don't mention it, no one's attention is drawn to it. All right. Okay. Okay. There is no clicking.
1: All right. Um, anyway, the Printers Row Lit Fest, Sunday at 1 p.m. I'm going to be on a panel. You can just go to, I believe it's org and find out all the information. I believe it's free.
0: What are you going to do with your Saturday in Chicago?
1: You know, I was just thinking about that. Go to a Cubs game. Oh, I have a Saturday in Chicago. Well, Saturday, so late, so from like five to seven on Saturday, there's a reception for all the authors that are at the festival. Okay. So we're going to do that. And then Saturday night, I'm going to hang out with my old college friend, Pete, and his wife, Kim. Kim just happens to be the moderator of my panel the next day.
0: That's uh, an amazing coincidence. She's
1: also a novelist, wonderful writer. Um she wrote a viral essay for Salon a few years ago about leaving her son in the car while she ran into to run an errand and getting arrested.
0: Yeah. Well, we all have lapses in judgment.
1: Uh, anyway, they're great. I never get to see them. I went... I
0: don't even like leaving Bo in the car when I go into 7-Eleven.
1: Okay. I'm just saying. Anyway, one of the two times I've been to Chicago was for their wedding, uh-huh. like... Twelve years ago,
0: Chicago is a great town. I love it and uh, really enjoy the area around Wrigley. Never been. It's very Boston like.
1: Mm. I, uh, I mean, I feel like I know it, but more, but better. Like, I feel like I know it from House Hunters.
0: Yes, we all know it from House Hunters. Yeah,
1: so you know, I'm pretty familiar with it from House Hunters, but...
0: The lake effect.
1: Haven't actually spent much time there. I then spent a day there when I was reporting uh, my story about uh, night terrors because there was like this renowned sleep expert who lived uh, in Chicago.
0: There's a good uh, theater scene there.
1: I've been to Second City.
0: Yeah? I, I was talking about theater, theater.
1: Like Steppenwolf?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, the theater. Pivens. The Pivens, the Cusacks. Oh,
1: sure. I've heard of them.
0: David Schwimmer usually is directing a play there for some reason.
1: Isn't um, Vince Vaughn from there, too?
0: Uh, I feel like Vince Vaughn is from the South. Really? Maybe ended up in Chicago for college.
1: Did the breakup take place in Chicago? Yes, it did. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Now I'm Googling Vince Vaughn. All right,
0: we're all Googling Vince Vaughn. Vince, uh, if you're listening, write in Matt and Dory at gmail dot com or Dory Matt at gmail.com. You can also call us, Vince Vaughn, if you'd like to four one three four six one baby baby. There we go.
1: Vince Vaughn Vince Vaughn is from Minneapolis.
0: Oh, why did so, I think he was
1: from the south? Not far from Chicago, but not Chicago.
0: Uh, similar diet.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, similar diet.
0: Love the food in Chicago. There's um, a there's a Weber Grill restaurant. Really? Yeah, with a giant Weber Grill on the outside of it.
1: Huh. So yeah, if if I mean I, I don't know what else I don't know what I should do on on Saturday in Chicago. It sounds
0: like you're doing stuff during the day. You could go to the museum during the day. I
1: have I have no plans. Go stare at that painting that I mean, Ferris I mean, Bueller I mean, was staring I mean, at. I go to the Art Institute.
0: Maybe you should be- pretend to be Abe Froman, the sausage king of Chicago.
1: That's not a bad idea. Yeah
0: get into a fancy restaurant have a day of it yeah go see a wrigley f- game i bet maybe the cubs aren't in town i don't know they have a lot of day games though
1: so. i think they are in town because my friend who's also going to be there that weekend was saying something about seeing a game on sunday
0: oh well
1: i might also feel like going to some panels at the at the book
0: festival it just sounds like there's a lot happening
1: there's a lot happening so, so i'm gonna be gone friday to sunday and then that's my last trip for a while
0: please uh, go see dory on her last trip for a while <laughs>
1: Um, we have a little bit of other business oh, Okay. before we get going. So I had a thought about our promised bonus episode. Yeah. Cause we're at like, I think we're around 850 all in.
0: That's very close. Yeah.
1: So what I thought is given all of the, uh, issues surrounding leaving a review, what if we just did a bonus episode when we hit a thousand?
0: Okay. Okay. I was planning on us doing a bonus episode when we hit. Uh, oh, sorry, this is a long text thread I'm now on.
1: Okay, maybe don't look at that while we're um, podcasting.
0: I don't even know who it's from, but it seemed interesting. Uh, what were we just? Bonus episode. About? Oh yeah, I was thinking about doing one when we hit a million downloads.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah. All right. Well, throwing, throwing that out there. And, you know, of course, if you support us on Patreon, um, I believe it's above the 25, dollars and above per month you get a bonus mini episode every month. So just, you know, throwing that out there.
0: Um, great.
1: Yeah. Um, so that is some business. Mm -hmm. Um, join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash excellent adventure. Um, And Matt already mentioned our emails and phone numbers, so I don't have to mention those again. Um, So last week, we talked about Bo. We did. A lot. Well, not a lot. We actually mentioned it, but we asked if people had advice. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We got inundated. A lot of people had advice. (laughs) So what I think we should do is I think we should uh, put in the show notes like the the time that we talk about Bo, because... Some people might not want to hear all about dogs for a few minutes. You know what I mean?
0: So when do you want to talk about Bo? I want to talk
1: about him right now.
0: Well, you know, we just, I always, I try to remember to put in the episode discussion starts at.
1: Yeah. Well, this, this week we can just say Bo discussion.
0: Okay. I also think about, I think I'm thinking of Star Trek. I don't actually do that for this
1: podcast. I think we keep forgetting to do that for this podcast.
0: Sorry, everybody. Sorry, we've ruined Your day.
1: Um, Anyway, yeah. So, first of all, thank you all for your wonderful suggestions about Bo. Seems like a lot of people have reactive dogs.
0: Maybe dogs are inherently reactive.
1: Hmm. Except for big, dumb, golden retrievers.
0: Yes. Um, Which, you know, I like big, dumb retrievers. Yeah,
1: sure. Who doesn't? Um, So, I selected a a few emails and a couple voicemails. Okay. In the...
0: In the dog area. In the dog area. Must love dogs area. So
1: if you're not interested in dogs, you can fast forward.
0: Just look at the episode description. Just look at the episode description. See when the dog time is over.
1: But if you are interested in dogs, you're about to get a wealth of information. Okay. Honey, are you ready? I hope so. Okay. Hello. Hi. Here are some thoughts, suggestions, rebo. I'm not a dog trainer, but I have a little dog walking business and one of my own dogs has issues with strangers. She's also a little pit bully looking and because of this elicits some fear responses from people that can intensify her stranger danger. Not sure how old Bo is, but I've noticed that male dogs can get a little more fighty with other dogs when they are around too. Mm-hmm. We've heard this. Yeah. Daycare can be a stressful experience for dogs with underlying anxiety. Bo might do better sticking with his dog walker a more controlled environment until his anxiety subsides. We hadn't considered that, but I don't know. He still seems excited about going to daycare.
0: He loves going in there. Yeah. He also loved leaving it.
1: True. Is Bo treat motivated? Yes. Okay. If so, have you tried taking him to the vet when he doesn't have an appointment and treating him for good, calm behavior? Also, I would switch vets. My dog is also sensitive to people who give off weird vibes. Vets shouldn't give off weird vibes. Yeah. So we, we ended up calling the old dog trainer and she came today for a session and this was one of the things she said, that we should switch vets and also take Bo to the vet when he doesn't have an appointment just to, like, make him think it's a happy place.
0: Yeah. Acclimate him to the joy of, of veterinary medicine.
1: Yeah. Um, do you bring treats on walks? It would be helpful to treat Bo as soon as you see another dog or person before he reacts. That This way, he'll get used to checking in with you before reacting to other dogs and strangers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is something that we do. Mm-hmm that Matt has been resistant to.
0: It's not that I've been resistant to. I just walk out the door so fast with him in the morning that I, usually the second I'm out the door, I'm like, I don't have the treats. And then I just go, "Eh, whatever. And Mm. then we go and we just do a lot of uh, avoidance Mm. and he's uh, pretty issue free.
1: Yeah. But I mean, as the trainer said, I think it's good to start kind of letting him like teaching him how to deal with people. Acclimating. Yeah, acclimating. Him. Him. Sure. And then uh, this woman, Annie, also says, my dog responded well to those calming pheromone collars. The brand we use is Adaptil, but there are probably others now. I would say it took 20% of the edge off, which was enough to keep her focus on me and reduce her reactionary responses. Hmm. So that's interesting.
0: Not aware of the existence of such a thing. Yeah,
1: apparently they, they like emit.
0: Could I wear them? Yeah. Great.
1: I think you would calm down. Um, and then she says, P.S. I would keep training methods positive with Bo and avoid boot camps that use e-collars and promote the dominance model. In my experience, there's almost always fallout with more, when more severe negative reinforcement is used. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like we're, like we're definitely in this school of dog training. Yeah. Yeah. Um, would you like to read a Bo email?
0: Do we have to do that dog podcast this week?
1: Yes. When? Thursday.
0: And we can't do this podcast.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: That's annoying. Uh, what, what am I reading? For Mary?
1: Yeah, for Mary.
0: Regarding Bo. I hear you. I hear you so hard. I rescued my dog five years ago. He definitely got his issues that have somewhat slowly unpacked over time. We went through some rough and stressful times not too long ago, and I think things are getting better. I adopted him shortly shortly after I got my first job moved away from home, so it was just him and me. He went everywhere, and I mean everywhere, like the grocery store, mailbox, coffee shop, sometimes to work with me in the first couple of years. We did the dog park. He was fine with rando kiddos. Uh, There was even a hot second where he could be off leash. Definitely not the case anymore. Then we moved. My job uh, became full-time. I got married. We moved again. Life, etc. Every now and then, a little hiccup would happen, then more hiccups, and it's hard. Uh, It's hard, but he's not that easy breezy, pupper do all the time. I've actually gotten a lot of peace of mind listening to you describe bo specifically as just not a restaurant or guitar shop dog <laughs> howie uh, has done some training which is helpful we've done a few manners courses and of course exercise helps really though for howie things are way better since i've just started looking at him for who he is right now and who he used to be yes he used to go on boats yes he used to lay under my table at the coffee shop Yes, he used to go to the bar with me and let random people pet him. Uh, he used to not snap at young children. But now, the stuff stresses. Uh, that stuff stress, stresses him. I know him. He trusts me. And sometimes, as hard as it is, since I'm an introvert, I just have to be, have to set some hard boundaries. Sometimes people take it personally because usually I have to yell, No, you cannot introduce your baby to my dog. So as far as your vet situation, I don't have a firm solution, of course. I can tell you that we went through vets. One vet wanted to sedate him, to chip his uh, damn toenails. We're very clip happy. Clip damn toenails? Yeah, clip would be the actual word there. Uh, we're very happy with our current vet, and we have no issues. I hope you'll find one that Bo trusts, but you're not alone. I'm confident that folks as thoughtful and supportive as you will help Bo work things out.
1: I mean that was another conclusion that we came to this morning. Like Bo can get better, but like he's gonna have a, a threshold. He's gonna have a limit.
0: Yeah, we're gonna take him to the limit. <laughs> take him to the limit.
1: Um, where are your glasses?
0: Uh, I think they're on my desk.
1: Would you like me to get them? If
0: you could, that'd be nice. Okay. This is from an anonymous vet. Hey. I'm a vet from Australia here, Responding to your last episode regarding sending Beau away to a training camp. I would absolutely absolutely say do not send Beau to a training camp, especially if his behavior has an element of anxiety. I say this with the same insistence of as you telling a guy not to go to the Domin- Dominican Republic for his honeymoon. Why? Using adversary... Uh, here are your glasses. Oh, thank you. Let me just put these on and make magic happen now that I can read. Uh, using aversives especially those that can cause physical pain such as an e-collar or prong set you up for a world of problems even more so in an anxious dog in the short term it may inhibit the undesirable behavior but if the problem is due to anxiety punishment can increase anxiety and exacerbate his reactions and general anxiety for the long term so much behavior modification depends on the owner's your knowledge, continuing training at home, reading body language, learning to recognize and preempt his triggers and motivations. This is when even more important. This is even more important in a reactive dog like Bo. His training needs to be long term, regular, nuanced, and tweak, has, tweaked as he improves. This simply can't be provided by a training camp. Please look into specialist veterinary behaviorists, as they can assist him. Work out why he does what he does. Help make a behavior modification. Maybe recommend a trainer. Uh, They could also see if any anti-anxiety medication could help him. This often helps anxious dogs relax to learn a new way of coping strategies uh, and may not be required in the long term. I know he was bad at the vet last time, but a behaviorist and their staff are experts in handling reactive dogs and will be able to give you advice That will make a visit to them safe and less stressful. Play vet voicemail, honey.
1: (laughs) Okay, here we go.
0: A lot of dog talk.
1: Yeah, I know.
0: This is not what this podcast is about.
1: I know. That's why we're putting it in the show notes.
0: Okay. Hey, Matt and Dory. My name is Sarah. I am a
2: registered veterinary technologist calling from Canada. I just listened to today's episode where you had expressed that you had some concerns with Bo at the vet um, as somebody who works with uh, anxious dogs at veterinary hospitals I can tell you right now that they they definitely need something to help them out sometimes and or you might be happy to hear this um, there is anti-anxiety medications that can actually help with animals. So what I would do is I would contact a fear-free veterinary professional. So usually these are doctors. Um, you can Google fear-free. Um, and then these doctors, they're trained to help dogs that are fearful, anxious, stressed in hospital, and uh, and they can probably give both something to help take the edge off before his vet visit. Um, Thank you so much for your podcast. I suffer from endometriosis, and I don't know if I'm going to be a fertile myrtle or not. But fingers crossed. Um, I'm not trying, but I'm happy. Crossover, (laughs) listener. I just want to wish you all the best. Uh, Dory, I really enjoyed your book. And uh, Matt, hopefully I'm being a helpful Canadian. Thanks so much, you guys, and best of luck.
0: Bye. You're doing your country's reputation proud.
1: Um, So I did look up fear-free vets, and I found one near us. So I think we're going to take him there from now on.
0: We're going to go to the uh, fear-free vet. That sounds like a great time.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. This is from Kristen, Dan, and Starbuck, who's the dog. Mm-hmm. Kristen writes first a lot of dog aggressive behavior quotes she put aggressive in quotes is rooted in fear. I highly recommend digging into this website fearfuldogs.com. Debbie Jacobs is an amazing trainer and runs the Fearful Dogs group on Facebook. It's public so you can see the posts. Important to know, the dog training industry is unregulated. A lot of people claim to be behaviorists or expert trainers, but they do not use the most up-to-date science-based training techniques. You want to look for a science-based, force-free, positive reinforcement trainer. Some certifications training include CPDT, APDT, Karen Pryor, and others. You're right to be wary of doggy boot camps, e collars etc. Many of the boot camps use aversive techniques that can work in the short term, but also harm your dog and make reactivity and aggression worse. While trainers like Caesar Milan have helped promote rescuing and spaying and neutering dogs, he and others do not use science-based training, so please be careful. Um, and then we did get a voicemail from someone who we got we got several emails um, from people telling us to be wary of boot camps. Um, but we did get a pro boot we got a we got a couple of pro boot camp messages, and okay. I just wanted to play one in the spirit of uh, objectivity, fair on both sides. Yeah.
3: Hi, Matt and Dory. This is Kate. I am calling to give you some feedback on a doggy boot camp. We sent our very anxious rescue pup to a two-week dog boot camp. We live out in Maryland, so obviously not close to where you guys are, um, but had really great success with it. He came back and was, one, much less anxious, two, much better about following commands. Um, Three, I would also say that they were able to take care of some of his possessive natures because much like maybe Bo is with you, Dory, our dog, Manny, was very possessive of me, not so much my husband, but definitely me. Um And would freak out when other dogs or people would get close to me, and they were able to work through some of that. The really great thing is they did not use an electronic collar. that was one of my rules as well. Um, they also offer follow up training sessions, and if we ever go back and board our dog there, that they will do some like follow up training to polish up the skills again, which has gotten a little lax because we're lazy. Um, and he didn't lose his special personality. That was a big concern of mine. Um, was that he would come back and be like this comatose dog that just had no, um, personality. And he was a really fun, playful puppy. And he came back a really fun, playful puppy that also knew how to sit and, not jump on destroy the blinds and not jump on the counters and the tables as much as he was counters. prior to that destroy the entire house when we for work so i hope this is helpful um and hope you guys are able to find a solution for bo and his anxiety i feel for you it could also be because he doesn't want a human sibling at least that's what manny keeps telling us so thanks bye
0: Frill seekers out there. Folks, all I'm saying is you heard me talk about Bombas for years now. I don't know why you haven't done anything about it. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash adventure and use the code adventure for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash adventure. Use the code adventure at checkout. Trust me, your feel thank you. So, well, there you go. So
1: there's that. Uh, I cam. believe there's one more dog email.
0: There sure is. This is from Ryan. We have a tiny Jug Gertrude, which is a Pug Jack Russell mix, uh, who is excited to see anything that moves and will bark and growl constantly until they get to lick their faces. Completely harmless, yet often put in time out at doggy daycare. Our other dog, Tinsel, was a rescue who came from Louisiana. We're in Rhode Island and adopted her at a local shelter group slash rescue. It is incredibly shy, skittish, and anxious. We've slowly rehabilitated her over time by direct, with the direction of my wife, who is a former dog trainer and dog groomer. By regularly introducing new people to Tinsel with lots of treats on neutral ground, uh, going on woodland hikes with her pack, our close friends uh, with their own dogs, uh, and routinely exposing Tinsel to her biggest stressors slash fears while instructing her to do a job or focusing her on another task, she came out of her shell a bit. One of the largest factors in her improvement was actually Gertrude. As she's confident and socially healthy dog and the alpha, she definitely helped lead Tinsel in the right direction. If you're thinking of adopting another dog, uh, if you think, rather, adopting another dog is an option to give Bo some buddy system training or even friending another human being with a confident dog and going on hikes and walks, try to make sure that the dog is a female. Canines are maternal packs and typically the eldest female is the natural alpha. A strong, confident female dog of any age should help Bo in his most anxious states. Uh, It's always a working issue, though, so don't give up. Tinsel still paces around the apartment whenever I pick up my guitar. Fender American Strat, single-single humbucker with a Seymour Duncan blues rail, uh, duckbucker, and a 59 patent applied for pickup that's a gibson pickup guys uh locking tuners ball bearing lsr rolling nut system and the trem rested hard to the body with four high tension springs i keep all the springs in bro whoa that'll stay in tune better
1: (laughs) he really went to town on that he really
0: did guitar stuff uh i like a blues rail i've never played a duck bucker. how is that my friend let me know locking tuners how much of this stuff did you add i assume the locking tuners and the nut and i'm guessing the pickups as well single single humbucker was it a single single humbucker when you got it email me let me know <laughs> this is a- <laughs> uh, um all right well that concludes
1: the bow portion of the podcast 28
0: minutes in we're thank getting you. To ivf
1: thank you all for writing in um Before we get to the email, though, I want to mention an article that um, was going around on social media this week and uh, came up in the Facebook group a couple times um, about kind of an investigation into IVF, Um, and it talked mostly about this one doctor in the valley who...
0: This valley? Yes. Uh
1: They put uh, three of the wrong embryos into a woman, and then he did a DNC supposedly without telling her that that's what he was doing. Um, and, but the article more broadly was about the tendency of fertility clinics to put more than one embryo into women regularly, um, in order to up their stats
0: on the reg. Yeah.
1: Um, and yeah, so there's a, there was a bunch of discussion about it. Um, I, Yeah. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, as discussed on this podcast, the first doctor that we went to, when I asked her how many embryos she put in, she said two or three. And to me, that was a little bit of a red flag. Um, and we ended up going to a different doctor who, you know, both of the doctors in the practice that we're in now have said pretty strongly that they only want to put in one. And I'm older, um, you know, usually, I think it's recom—it's definitely recommended for women under 35 to only put in one, um, but I think the tendency now is to try to just do one. Um, I wish in the article they had talked to clinics that really only do one. Like, they I, I feel like they were a little fear-mongery. Um,
0: it's a newspaper. What do you expect?
1: Well, it's not a newspaper.
0: Well, it's, you know.
1: But... Um, No, I mean, it's certainly an issue. And like a a couple people commented it on Facebook. One woman was like, I'm pregnant with my second set of twins. And I didn't want to put into embryos the second time. And the doctor was very insistent that we do too. Um, And, you know, that kind of sucks.
0: At the end of the day, ladies out there listening, you can tell your doctor to fuck off. And just put one in.
1: I know, but I think it's, I think it's hard when a doctor is like telling you that it's the best medical recommendation and, you know, it's hard to go it against It does not make medical sense. Uh, I, yes, I understand. I'm just telling you why I think it might be hard for some people to like go against what their doctor is supposedly recommending, even if the doctor is doing it for perhaps not the best motives. Because like there's a lot of complications with twins. It's a it's a much more dangerous pregnancy. You have a higher risk of a premature baby and less sleep. Less sleep. And yeah, I mean, I think I think it's good if if this article gets people talking about this stuff. Yeah. So. Check out
0: the article. Uh, check out the Facebook group to see the discussion happening over there. Yep. Well, I suppose we should get to some email about baby trying. Yep. Oh, I'm going to read it. No, she I'll looked read at it. Me. She just side eyed no, me.
1: I'll read it. No, no. Give it to me.
0: Nope. I'm reading it. No. You side eyed me.
1: Because you have an attitude today.
0: What? Honey. Give
1: me the emails. This
0: Give it to me. This is from Erin.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm at a
0: crossroads
1: here. Oh, me too. What do you want to do? Hmm. And wondering what you or your listeners might have to say about my situation. I'm 41. My partner is 46. We've been dealing with this infertility stuff for three years. There's nothing wrong with us per se, but my eggs are few and it seems like they are all old and rotten. I got pregnant naturally after nine months of trying, then miscarried. Went down the medical route and became pregnant again a year later from an IUI, then miscarried again. I've had four IUIs and three IVFs so far but I'm having terrible results with the IVF. I only get two to four eggs each time. One did do fertilize the first couple times and we did fresh transfers, but they didn't work. I was crushed the last time when none of the eggs fertilized. My doctor has been very aggressive and each time he adjusts the protocol in hopes I will respond better. It feels like insanity to keep going down this path with these terrible results. For the first time I'm realizing that this may, that this really may not be in the cards for me and that I might need to let it go. Not exactly the same as giving up in my book. I've evaluated other options, including the clinics that you pay a flat rate for unlimited IVF and possibly your money back if you don't get pregnant and also the egg donor route. My partner isn't really into adopting, which I respect. The reality is that I don't want to do any of these other options. I can't bear doing unlimited IVF or spending another year or two dealing with this roller coaster and working with an egg donor. Plus, I don't want to spend half my life savings to do it. I should have enough money left in my fertility benefits to have one more IVF covered by insurance. so I think I can muster the strength to do it one last time. I just started going to a therapist and shared my struggle. I told her I was really leaning towards one more IVF than letting it go. Still trying naturally and just leaving it up to the universe. I've been doing a lot of journaling, visualizing, meditating, etc. I'm trying to get to a point where I can be at peace with whatever the outcome may be, which is tough because I'm completely attached to the idea that I would be a mother. I'm trying to think of the positives of a life without children because I really do love my life with the exception of the infertility BS. The therapist said that she thinks I need to take agency over the decision of whether I want to be a mother or not because she fears if I leave it to the universe, I might be drifting in this murkiness until I hit menopause and then will be disappointed. I felt like saying, bitch, I made the decision already. I want to be a mother, but can't control the outcome. She said, some women in your position just agree that they won't be moms and get on the pill and feel a lot better. This infuriated me just because I may not want to keep going through IVF hell doesn't mean I want to get on the pill or don't want to, or don't want to be a mom. Oh, what happened here? Oh, okay. So I just want to know what you think of all this. Everyone says the moment that you let go is the moment it will happen. Who the hell knows? Any words of wisdom for me?
0: sounds like she's made up her mind without knowing she made up her mind.
1: What do you think she's made up her mind to do?
0: One more round of IVF.
1: Right. But then what?
0: I think if she's made up her mind to do one more round of IVF, then she has to realize that that might be it.
1: Right. For her. I think maybe she should find a new therapist.
0: You can't keep finding new medical professionals until they do what you want.
1: Yeah, but... however.
0: This is the a first second opinion is always yeah. enjoyable.
1: It's not like she's gone. to She didn't say I've gone to 10 therapists and they all sucked. She she just started seeing a therapist.
0: Um, You're also 41. That's not yeah. that old.
1: It's not that old, but it, you know, the, the odds of using your own eggs for a pregnancy at 41 are not amazing. Yeah. Um, I know your partner said he doesn't want to do adoption, but I mean, would he be maybe open to embryo adoption?
0: Uh, that's, that's certainly a path. I mean, egg donor is not as expensive as adoption.
1: It's more expensive than embryo adoption.
0: Yes. But at least they'd have. If, I feel like this husband's hung up on something with the adoption thing. Mm. And I feel like it might be that he can't love something that is not from his DNA. Mm. So if you do egg donor, I see what you're saying. You get a little um, spot of that dude in there.
1: I, you know, I guess I would just say you have to weigh the wanting to be a mother at all costs versus probably honestly at this point probably not being able to do it with your eggs unless this last round of IVF works
0: uh there is also the possibility if you've been going to the same doctor for all of these rounds yeah maybe a different IVF perhaps an IVF a different IVF doctor um might give you an entirely different treatment Yep, and those results whatever they may be from that round might be promising yep and and give you the will to continue yeah down that path um but at the end of the day it's your body and, and if you don't want to keep doing it then yeah don't
1: it's so hard on all of us <sighs>
0: but yeah have you thought about adopting a dog
1: <laughs> keep us posted
0: uh, I'm sure also we have listeners who've been in similar situations or are in similar situations who will hopefully write in so that we can help her.
1: Yeah. This also, this feels like a really good question for the Facebook group. Mm hmm. So I would suggest also maybe heading over there. Um, all right. This is from Kimmy and James and they say, I just wanted to thank you for this podcast. I heard about it on a smodcast that Matt was a guest on. Mm hmm. My husband and I just finished our first round of IVF. We've been married since 2008 and have been trying for a baby the last five years. We've had two miscarriages and several rounds of IUI. I'm 35 and my husband is 37. This whole time we were living under the assumption that my husband had lazy sperm, but it appears I may also have dumb eggs. 19 eggs were retrieved. 14 were mature out of the 14, seven were fertilized and two made it to transfer. Although the two that we did transfer stopped developing after day three We did not have any embryos for freezing with our latest visit with my doctor. He suggested that we may want to consider donor eggs, but we could try another round and see. This is very similar to Mm -hmm. the previous email. We are going to try one more time. Donor eggs could be very expensive. He told us that the eggs would likely have to come from the United States and could cost up to $20,000 Canadian. Oh yeah. These people are Canadian. Yikes. Also I'm half Japanese and part of me would like for my baby to be a bit Japanese. Apparently Japanese eggs are pretty rare. To possibly improve the quality of my eggs, I'm on DHEA and Mm CoQ10. Apparently, this is a bit controversial, but could help improve the quality. I've been taking CoQ10. It is worth a try. We absolutely love listening to your podcast as none of our friends are trying for babies or going through IVF. We wish you luck on expanding your family. Matt, I now listen to Phoebe, and we will check out Talk Salad. Dory, I'm enjoying your book very much and we'll review it when finished. Wow. Also, we signed up for HelloFresh with your coupon code. Thank
0: you for using the coupon code.
1: While going through IVF, we've been eating a lot of feelings, and we thought this might help. Thank you so much, Kimmy and James.
0: Uh, Thank you, my Canadian friends. Uh, My wife just got up unannounced to hand me something that looks to be on topic this episode of the podcast is also brought to you we should talk to her before we jump into this ad it seems rude to just say well since you mentioned hello yeah that's true um
1: i mean she wasn't really asking a question
0: yeah but she was saying that it might be her eggs and her husband's sperm right and that she might need a donor egg and that there aren't uh, many japanese
1: Japanese there's a lot of information wrinkle is interesting
0: yes uh It is. It's, I guess you just, yeah, you want a little bit of your heritage in your baby, regardless of whether or not you're making it, I guess. Right. Yeah. This is a rough, this is a rough life. This IVF thing. Yeah. It's not easy on anybody. Nope. Well, I hope it works out for you and I hope you have a quarter Japanese baby. Me too. If you need help, finding japanese eggs i would not know where to begin to <laughs> okay uh so yes you know this last week this little recorder recorded five different podcasts damn i know i know and it's falling apart i cracked the screen broke the headphone jack oh dear ran out of space on the memory card in the middle of a podcast oh no it's gone through a lot
1: oh poor little guy
0: thank you everybody for putting up with us
1: um all right this is from fred and isa mm-hmm. i have a question for matt yes you've made a few cheers references in the last few episodes mm-hmm. and i wonder if this crossed your mind Mm. I grew up on sitcoms and I remembered an episode where Sam and Rebecca are trying to have a baby and there's a fertility issue. Mm-hmm. I looked it up and I think the episode is called I'm Okay, You're Defective. Mm-hmm. Rebecca comes back after some research with underpants lined with a freezing gel. So I'm wondering, since this took place in the 90s, and I'm assuming the writers didn't just come up with that out of thin air, how is the heat factor down there not more known and taken into consideration?
0: A great question.
1: You guys should come to Montreal on points or not. Great food to be had. Drop us a line if you do.
0: Um, yeah. The, that episode ends. Uh, Sam gets his fertility results. And he has this real, real conflicted moment of like whether or not he should look at the fertility results.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: And, uh, you know, because Sam is, a, you know, he's, a, he's all about machismo.
1: He's a man's man. He's a
0: man's, He's a lady's man.
1: The ladies and he movie. doesn't want to
0: be thought of as infertile, so Fraser convinces him not to look at it, and he'll hold on to it, the results, and then they end the episode by flashing forward to Fraser's death, and Lilith is there with a grown Frederick, <laughs> and the last will and testament is being read, and they pull it out, and uh, it's it's Ted, it's uh, Sam's uh, sperm results. That's pretty funny. <laughs> and then Lilith goes that damn bar. <laughs> <laughs> So you know, if that's canon, eventually Lilith and Fraser get back together, which did never happen on the eleven years of Fraser. So
1: interesting. Well, do you have any thoughts on the on the uh, freezing gel underpants? Do you know
0: what I'm going to do? What I'm going to ask? I'm having lunch on Wednesday with Ken Levine, who wrote
1: of Hollywood and
0: Levine, of Hollywood and Levine, who wrote many episodes of, of Cheers and a few episodes of Fraser, and I'll ask him where that story came from
1: that is a great idea
0: and i will report back to you guys thank you next week
1: i appreciate that um all right
0: dory is doing some editing in real time
1: so this is from benji
0: benji from the howard Stern show benji no okay
1: Um, My name is Benji. I discover your podcast from recommendation by our couples therapist about a month ago. Hashtag marriage goals.
0: That's something.
1: That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, At the time, we were trying to conceive for a while and our therapist heard about your podcast and specifically recommended it because Matt was able to talk about the male perspective through this process, which you normally don't hear about. It's true. That is true. My wife insisted that I get my parts checked out first because it is supposed to be much easier and less intrusive. Mm -hmm. After multiple semen analysis tests, a heavy groping physical exam, (laughs) an ultrasound, a blood test, Uh a post-ejaculatory urine analysis, what I have dubbed the pee-jerk tinkle test.
0: I have not had one of those. That's impressive. Go ahead. And a rectal ultrasound. A rectal ultrasound. To
1: guide a very large needle into my right vas deferens. So much for less intrusive, oh boy.
0: So it sounds like they found some stuff having to do all of those things. Correct. We're okay. getting we're getting
1: to that. We discovered that I have no sperm in my semen because I have a block on my right vas deferens and a missing left vas deferens due to not having a left kidney.
0: Holy shit. Yeah.
1: Basically, my plumbing is terrible down there, a missing left pipe and a clogged right pipe, so my sperm is stuck in my testicles. I did not know any of this before. The lack of sperm in my semen, the missing left vas deferens, or not having a freaking kidney.
0: You didn't know you had a, didn't have a left kidney? No. This is amazing.
1: I'm 32, and in all of my previous blood work and physicals, which included testicular cancer checks, not one doctor noticed important body parts missing. Apparently I found out that missing a kidney and having it be undiagnosed is actually quite common. About one in 750 people are born with a missing kidney, mostly men and mostly the left. Weird. But having a missing vas deferens and a blocked right vas deferens is very rare. My wife and I are still processing all of this and have a whole lot of questions and emotions. After being told we should have genetic tests because quote knowledge is power. Why don't we screen for some of these basic things in physical exams? Why couldn't we know this sooner so we could save for treatment by not paying for birth control since I was shooting blanks all this time? That's crazy. Fair question. While I still still need more tests after six weeks of tests, I still do not know if I even have usable sperm to extract. It seems most likely that we will need to do IVF since surgery to unblock my vas deferens is risky slash may not be effective and sperm needs to be in semen to be effective for other treatments like IUI. Unfortunately, both of our insurances do not cover infertility. So my wife, the planner, is already looking into medical tourism options abroad. That's
0: This is mind-blowing. A lot. There's a lot happening down there. Yeah. I I think I find it amazing that you never at any point had to have an ultrasound or a CAT scan or or an MRI at any point in your life.
1: Have I had a full body?
0: I mean a full mm-hmm. body scan is crazy. You probably haven't done one of those, but yeah. like you've had MRIs. Have I? I don't know. Shouldn't you? I have
1: had a CAT scan when I had a stress fracture. Have I had an MRI? That is a really good question. I feel like I have,
0: but Well, I, I have had multiple MRIs many times in my life. Uh sometimes f- uh, for cancer reasons, sometimes for Wait, you had cancer? Uh we uh, there there's a long story. A lot of uh I, I was I was in and out quite a bit as a teenager. Hi, I'm Matt Myra, your husband.
1: Did you have cancer?
0: Uh, no, but I had a lot of things cut out of me. Mm. Um, I did know
1: that because you have you have scars in various places. I do.
0: Um, but the I had horrible back pain as a as a kid, even as a teenager, as a young as a young one, as they say, mm. scoliosis. Uh, bad like my vertebrae you know I have um an arthritic spine oh uh and I have bulging discs between L5 and L6 okay and uh it was uh, it was kind of bad and then it got okay and then it got really bad about six years ago seven years ago mm. where it was uh impossible for me to sit oh god uh without sharp sharp pain uh i, I could only stand uh and walk is fine i mean i could work i could go to the genius bar and work it was no problem yeah um anyway long story short that's i've had a ton of mri so i know everything that's inside of me
1: yeah but this is, this is a lot. That
0: But that, like, you never had like a football injury or something? This is crazy. Not.
1: But also, I mean, you can live with one kidney, obviously. It's more the blocked vas deferens. That's like interesting to me. Like, yeah, why would that have come up? But it, but like.
0: But I think if you, if the missing a kidney was known to the doctors.
1: Oh, then they might've looked into other stuff.
0: Then they might've probably been like, well, let's, see. let's, let's, let's let's get you to right go in this quite a story it's crazy um
1: there's a ps we are a split household on the chit chat i love it but my wife wants you to just talk ivf even though as i've pointed out she loves instapotting especially making bone broth the crown gilmore girls the goldbergs being the planner in the relationship and also constantly gets distracted to love on our dog
0: this is uh sounding like she just resents how much we're like her (laughs) (laughs) she's gonna hate this episode
1: totally uh pps matt where have you been all my life
0: i uh, right here, buddy.
1: I've been binging this podcast, but I've never heard of your other podcast before. Oh, well. Where should I begin? Good God. The next conversation, James Bonding, Phoebe, the beginning of Nerdist. <laughs> Where would you recommend a fan to begin in your podcast universe?
0: Well, you know, my podcast universe actually predates Nerdist by 80 episodes of something called Comedy and Everything Else with Todd Glass and Jimmy Dore. Whoa. There's a pre-Nerdist podcast, Matt Myra. I've been doing podcasts longer than Chris Hardwick. Um... So, God, I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to like, I feel like the journey. Uh, the Matt Meyer journey? Matt Meyer journey really begins, I mean, I guess with episode one of Nerdist, but there's so many episodes like of like 800. Nerdist. Yes, I know. Um, you could learn about me probably quicker with Phoebe, which is just me and Scott Mosier. The premise of that podcast is that Scott Mosier and I weren't sure if we should be friends. So we tried to figure out on the show if we should be friends or not. Spoiler. It worked out.
1: (laughs) Um, I've also had people tell me that they, that they listened to your episode of you made it weird.
0: I try not to recommend that one. I I honestly don't love that. That's out there.
1: It's kind of crazy that it's out there.
0: Um, Yeah. That's about a breakup with a long uh, time girlfriend and uh, you know, she, it's you know, it's a different time now that's true you know we're older she has a baby i, I was just like that's a lot don't need to dra- drag that shit through
1: i mean her. i would say if i may phoebe is a great suggestion because unless you're like into star trek or james bond or he didn't mention tuck salad or fraser yeah like it's interesting but maybe not that interesting right. whereas phoebe is more general
0: Yes, Phoebe is certainly a, a nice general place to yeah. start. And I'm your wife hates this part of the podcast where talking about something that is not trying to have a baby. But um, please keep us posted on what the hell's going on with you.
1: Yeah. Wow. All right. Um, For Irene, mm-hmm. here's my situation. I'm 37. My husband is 40. At 28 years old, I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor. I'd most of it removed surgically as a result of the tumor. I really
0: was thinking this was Irene from real world Seattle who had Lyme disease and got slapped by that black guy. It's not. Okay.
1: As a result of the tumor, my hormone levels are well below where they need to be. Because of this, I do not get a period. In January, we met with a fertility clinic and was told IVF would be my best option for trying to conceive. I was put on Provera to get me to have a period so that they could do an ultrasound on me. Well, it's now the end of may and no period, even after three rounds of Provera, I did get my period four times in 2014 while trying Clomid. My gyno had me on Estradiol and Provera to get my period to come. I did tell the fertility clinic this. I'm now just waiting for the next step on what they want me to do now. It's a bit frustrating just waiting around to see if IVF is even going to happen and in doing research, I've had a hard time finding others with a similar situation as me. I just really wanted to put this out there to see if there are others out there with infertility caused by a pituitary tumor.
0: So, I hope it's benign. Um,
1: yeah. It sounds like, I mean, it sounds like that that part is done. It's just the aftermath of it is kind of shitty. So I think she just wants to know if there's others out there with this issue. Are and there if, others out there? And if so, how did you deal with it?
0: It's great. I love how we like set up our, our listeners with other listeners who well, have gone through similar.
1: Things. I'm going to play voicemail uh, from someone who is talking about not ovulating. Do it up. All right.
2: they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com slash upgrade
4: hi Dorian Matt I have a somewhat interesting predicament um, we've done a bunch of testing my husband and I his Sperm is great. He has super sperm. Uh, My uterus looks good. Uh, I make a lot of follicles. I've got, like, this month I've got 12 on my left and 15 on my right. That's a lot. My problem with infertility is I, for some reason, unknown to everyone, is, is that I do not ovulate every month. Some months I do, and some months I don't. Hmm. So I was just wondering if anyone knew of some natural way to make myself ovulate instead of going straight to drugs. That would be great. If drugs are my only choice, then, of course, that's what I'll do. But I'm hoping that there's a natural way to make all these follicles release an egg or two. Uh, any advice on that would be great. All right. Thanks, guys.
1: I mean, lots of, lots of non-ovulating happening. At We're
0: just sending smoke signals out to other people.
1: Exactly. That's what I love about this podcast.
0: If you're not ovulating and you know how to make yourself ovulate, my guess is it has something to do with bone broth. Everything seems to.
1: <laughs> um, and acupuncture.
0: Yeah. You're yeah. still going to acupuncture. Even I Even though am. you're not going through IVF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I go once a week. Yeah. What is, what's that all about?
1: You know, I think it, I do think it relaxes me. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Have you tried yoga? It's very relaxing.
1: I love yoga. Oh, that's weird. And I was trying to get you into yoga like two years ago. But
0: you didn't have the right in.
1: I know. I now know I didn't have the right in.
0: You didn't have a way for me to just do it in my office quietly by myself.
1: But I also didn't have a former wrestler.
0: Well, I mean we can't all have a former wrestler.
1: I, you know what I've realized about you, Matt, mm. is you like to have a person you can kind of like get into. Like yeah. you got into Sagi. I sure
0: did. I love Sagi.
1: You got into your old trainer, Tom. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you like to have a, a coach slash mentor in your uh, physical uh, journey.
0: Yeah. So sure. I
1: think it's, I think you like having this wrestler. Which I
0: wish I had like a runner coach. Like someone who would coach me on how to train for a half marathon.
1: Um, there's a running store very close to our house. I'm sure you could go there and ask them for but suggestions. You could buy
0: two pairs of sneakers from them.
1: Yeah. Uh, they, and they have a, I mean, you you won't be able to make it because you don't get out of work early enough. But every Tuesday night, they have a runner's club that goes running in the neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Well, someday.
1: But I bet you could ask them for suggestions and, and they would have suggestions right for you. Right
0: now, I'm using the Nike Run app on my on my watch how do you like it uh i've only used it twice i've only been running twice but i've been doing yoga i will say though after since the yoga thing after the run and then i did a bunch of yoga and then i did yoga and then i ran i, I had no leg soreness the next day really yeah
1: because i feel like after the first run before well, you had done I the yoga tried to go three miles you like couldn't walk
0: i tried to go three miles like you were in so much pain was crazy yeah Anyway, again, I feel like whenever I start talking about us, I feel like people start checking out.
1: I don't. All right. I've heard from so... I, I don't read all of the emails that are like, I like the chit chat because oh. like that would be a little you know self-congratulatory. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do enjoy the chit chat.
0: Congrats. You're semi-interesting.
1: Yeah. Um, I did enjoy this email mm-hmm. from Eric Dahl.
0: I am a big fan of Eric Daw.
1: Thanks for the continued shout outs for the Fret Files podcast.
0: Oh, there's another <laughs> shout out for you, Eric Daw.
1: I'd listen to more episodes, but my sperm count is off the charts as evidenced <laughs> by my two strapping young boys. Yes. But seriously, nice podcast made for a fun listen. That's the mark of a good podcast when you're not interested particularly in the subject but enjoyed the hell out of the banter. See, Eric likes the banter.
0: Eric likes the banter, but for some reason we can't get you into the Fred Files podcast, honey.
1: And the hosts. You two have a great dynamic and are very entertaining. Mm -hmm. As with our crossover of infertile guitar repair junkies, (laughs) we're probably going to take over the internet soon. (laughs) Thanks for the shouts. Keep up the good work.
0: Uh... loved that i i I loved that too and i'm gonna i I would would like to write eric back they've moved from seattle to iowa oh wow or idaho one of the two Hmm. they're not very similar but no. um and he's gonna be able to be building guitars again on a regular basis so
1: Oh boy. I think, see where this is going. I think, I think it's <laughs> I see where this is going, everyone.
0: Time for Matt to order a pin up custom guitar blonde well S style. You know what Dory says. Mat.
1: One in, one out. Yeah,
0: those are those are her rules. And uh, you
1: got you have one out that you need to think about. Thank you, Eric Daw. Yeah. Um this is a quickie from Becca. I just wanted to this is a compliment for Matt that I just wanted to read on the mm. air. Partially based on the advice Matt gave another listener a while back, I've decided I'm going to go back to school to finish my bachelor's degree. Mm. I left 12 years ago to deal with some mental health issues, and it's been something I've been wanting to finish since. If all goes well, I should be finishing in the summer of 2019 at the age of 36.
0: That is not that far away.
1: No. I loved that, though.
0: Well, I'm glad I could help. Yeah. Partially. I'm glad I could partially help.
1: Um, and then Robert G was wondering if you have any recommendations, uh, for books or YouTube channels that help people with songwriting and or music theory.
0: Uh, it's funny you ask. Music theory is one of those things that I am endlessly looking for good resources on.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: There aren't a ton.
1: You know, I took a bunch of music theory classes when I was like ages 10 to
0: 13. Um, did it help you? Yeah, I thought like it was really... How many sharps are in G? The key of G? Uh, one. Correct. Um what are the chords you could play in G?
1: Um
0: G. Anyway, the point is yeah. my point is that it's <laughs> It helped me with that kind of crazy. stuff. It's crazy. Like Yeah. The uh all the, you know, the melodic and the and the and the, and the diatonic and the pentatonic it's just like uh, for some reason i could never quite wrap my head around sure um a uh but the it's a. i'm just it's hard i can't wrap my head around it about around what to tell him because i wish i had a great answer for him Mm. and i don't because there is nothing great out there for music theory there's a lot of guitar theory books that are great there's one um uh, fretboard logic is a book that will help you with guitar theory and fretboard theory, mm. which will in turn help you with music theory. Um, uh, you know, know, I took music I... theory in college. I did. And I checked out. Mm. I was like, this is so I can't do it.
1: Yeah. If I still had my old books, I would, but I don't. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Um, all right. And this is from James. Talking about the six-day proposal, remember that. Yes. Matt's comment about potentially being progressively disappointed as the days pass made me realize that this was exactly the setup of a classic logic paradox. Mm. If you want to surprise your fiance with a proposal on one of six days, you can't do it on the last day because once the fifth day has come and gone, it won't be a surprise. It would have to be the sixth day. Yeah. So the sixth sixth day is eliminated. But then it can't be the fifth day because with the sixth already out, you know, it'd have to be the fifth and so on. And yet, if the proposal happens around the third day, it's still a surprise. Of course, in the more in the original version of the paradox, it's an unexpected hanging because logicians are a morbid bunch. This version is much more upbeat. And then he (laughs) links to the Wikipedia page for the unexpected hanging paradox.
0: Oh, it was a paradox. It was a paradox. That makes so much sense.
1: Yeah. So you were you were really onto something.
0: I try to be onto something as much as I can be. We do have time for another email if you'd like to read one from your discarded pile.
1: Well, it's a very long email.
0: Oh, how long?
1: Um, it's.
0: Wow. Well, this and, I, and I lost. I lost long. the
1: beginning of it. You know, we'll do. We'll do it on the next. We'll do it on the next episode.
0: Okay. So this is just coming in a little short. Is that way.
1: all right? Um Oh I thought I thought we were we were running um all right. You know what? I will just
0: read. It's just if we're I'm gonna shove ads down people's throat. I wanna give them a full episode of fun.
1: Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Okay, wait. Actually this is the beginning of the email. I was I wasn't sure if it was. Okay. Guys, buckle up. Mm-hmm. I agree with everyone who has chimed in to say that the mother's mental well-being is important to consider when deciding whether or not to stop a medication while pregnant. I've been on an SSRI fluoxetine Prozac for over half my life. And for a few years before trying to get pregnant, I would ask various doctors I saw what their thoughts were on taking antidepressants, excuse me, while pregnant, since I knew it would be a decision that I might one day face. Turns out they all had different ideas about it. One doctor would say I could stay on fluoxetine, no problem. Another would recommend stopping all medications just to be safe. The third would just make the shrug emoticon face. Mm-hmm. Side note, I live in Canada, so going to see all these doctors was more feasible than it might be in the U.S.
0: have so many Canadian listeners that we should just live there.
1: I mean, okay. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> to compound the confusion, there aren't any good studies out there about SSRIs and birth defects because you can't ethically test pharmaceuticals on pregnant people. So a lot of the studies are just guesswork based on other factors. If someone out there has a good study that counters what I'm saying, please tell me about it. So after talking to doctors and reading what research was out there, I figured I just had to make the call on my own and I decided to stop taking the fluoxetine. And I wish I had stayed on it.
0: Mm, Interesting.
1: I stopped the medication about six months before pulling the goalie. And those months leading up to the time I got pregnant were some of the most depressed and anxiety-ridden months of my life. That's awful. My body was trying to learn how to be a body, not on fluoxetine for the first time in years. And I also had a lot of stuff going on at work and with wedding planning that really stressed me out. Yeah. Going off antidepressants while planning wedding is a terrible idea, but that's another topic for another podcast. I was a mess. And while I was seeing a therapist and getting acupuncture and doing meditation, it was really hard to manage everything. Weirdly though, once I did get pregnant after the first few months, my depression subsided and I actually felt better mentally while pregnant than I had in a long time. I've heard of this happening with some people where the pregnancy hormones impact their mental health in either direction, and I was fortunate to experience an upswing. However, I knew that this wasn't going to be permanent and that once the baby was born, I would be at risk for postpartum depression given my history. So I went back on fluoxetine a few months after the birth, and have felt pretty good ever since. Having been through all of this, I now know that if we try to have another child, I will stay on the fluoxetine because the disruption of going off the first time around was too much. My takeaway from this experience and my advice to those trying to decide whether or not to go off antidepressants while pregnant is to consider the evidence you have at hand, doctors, studies, even if they aren't great, etc and make the call on your own based on your own instincts and risk assessment. Mm. No one doctor or study will give you a perfect answer. This attitude is inspired in part by a book called Expecting Better by Emily Oster, which considers all kinds of decisions pregnant people face, staying on or going off meds, eating sushi or soft cheese or deli meats, (laughs) having the occasional beer or glass of wine, and presents the available data so readers can make their own judgment calls instead of trying to follow hard and fast rules that don't exist.
0: It's good advice. I
1: thought it was very good advice.
0: I, you know... If you get pregnant, I'll stop taking antidepressants.
1: You're not on antidepressants. Yeah. Damn. So. Logic puzzle. Mm. Um, you know, we do have one more voicemail. Great. Let's play it. Okay.
4: Hello. It's the
2: Duke of Bridgewater. <laughs> oh my God, he's These back. last weeks, I've taken it upon myself to educate the Church of England on in vitro fertilization. Whoa. Now, I must say, the Archbishop had a few reservations about the process, but I said we didn't break away from the Catholic Church for nothing. <laughs> So, if you hear of a pregnancy outbreak in the 1750s among Anglican nuns, I hope you know that your podcast was in part to blame. Well, cheerio then, I must continue with my work. <laughs> I want,
0: I wish there was really some way that this, this Duke was getting our podcast in the 1700s and was able to somehow call into our show.
1: Oh, I know. That would be cool.
0: That is a delightful. That is Paul Charles. That, I mean, the, the Duke of Bridgewater. Oh, it's Paul Charles. Well, that was, that was, I believe, who I gave that fact to.
1: That oh, was Paul Charles. Duke of
0: Bridgewater. Right. Um, but, uh,
1: Although it's not necessarily him. It could no, be I'm not saying yeah. it is him, yeah. but it
0: is someone who I, I think oh, I looked see. up I the see. real Duke of Bridgewater. Right, 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 if right. If there right, is right. such a thing. Regardless, there's a time rift <laughs> happening and he's getting our podcast.
1: Yes, I enjoy it very much.
0: Whew. What a I time. Know. What yeah. a time to be alive.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Um... So it's time for everyone's favorite part of the podcast.
0: Everyone's favorite part, Boston.
1: Um, the donors. And I just want to remind everyone that we have a new Patreon page at patreon.com slash excellent adventure, where you can donate for as little as $1 a month. And it is super helpful. Um, we have a number of reward tiers.
0: Do you have it in you to support the podcast?
1: Yeah. Do you have it in you to
0: support the podcast?
1: Oh, I just remembered. I I decided we were going to change the name of donors to supporters. Yes. Because I think that's a more accurate representation. Yeah, you're supporting. They're supporting the podcast. they are supporting
0: things like when I break headphone jacks on Zoom yeah. H6Ns and... So for one
1: to $9 a month, you get one fun fact read on the podcast during the first month of your first donation for 10 to $24 a month. You get a new fun fact every month read on the podcast for the duration of your monthly donation. Plus an exclusive photo and caption of us, Dory, Matt and Bo once a month for $25 to $49 a month. You get a monthly half hour bonus mini episode exclusive to the Patreon donors at this level and above plus all rewards from previous tiers And for $50 a month and above, you get a personalized voice message from Matt and or Dory and a personalized signed copy of startup, a novel plus all rewards from previous tiers.
0: Matt and Dory's excellent adventure is made possible by listeners like you.
1: Yes. Um, And you know, if you don't want to donate on Patreon, or, sorry, if you don't want to support us on Patreon, you can still <clears throat> support us on PayPal and Venmo by going to excellentadventure.com and clicking on the Donate tab. And thank you. Or I should change that to the Support tab. <laughs>
0: Jesus, but then people are <laughs> going to be looking for technical support if the website's not working.
1: Mm, good point. All right. I'll keep it for donors. Um, okay, so this week's supporters are Sarah Allarid,
0: Sarah knows the words to every "Follow Boy record.
1: Carrie Mills.
0: Uh, Carrie went to equestrian camp every summer as a teenager. Her horse was named Batman the Horse.
1: Neil Weiner.
0: Uh, Neil invented a method of cheating at 21 that is different than card counting and totally illegal. He has been banned from every casino in Nevada.
1: (laughs) Marcus Yeager. Uh,
0: Marcus's favorite flavor of Ben & Jerry's is fish food. He wishes it was spelled with a PH.
1: Melanie Balthazar. Uh,
0: Melanie is in early talks to reboot Punky Brewster for Hulu.
1: Oh, get at me, Melody. Uh, Chelsea Rosger.
0: Uh, Chel- yes, Rosger. Rosger. Uh, Chelsea realized at an early age that she had the ability to move things with her mind. She realized at a later age that she was mistaken.
1: Our friend Paul Charles.
0: Uh, paul likes to close his eyes every night put his head under the covers and pretend he's in a spaceship (laughs)
1: um wait did i skip you skipped kristen
0: but i can tell you that kristen's favorite movie kristen Zeplinski, zeplinski thank you uh kristen's favorite movie is the talented mr ripley
1: Oh, okay. Uh, a donation in the name of the miniature schnauzer Mochi.
0: Uh, Mochi refuses to believe that dogs on TV aren't actually inside the television.
1: <laughs> Jessica Wayne.
0: Uh, Jessica is a sharpshooter having won a number of competitions with other Old West gunfighters.
1: <laughs> and our old friend Andrew Steinley.
0: Uh, Andrew has never made a satisfactory salad at a salad bar.
1: Oh, that's a skill.
0: I don't have it. Mm -hmm. I feel like like that particular fact I've given to someone else because it is something I cannot do as a human being.
1: I don't think you have. All right. Um, well that, uh, wraps it up.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thank you. Sorry about all the ads guys. Don't be sorry. I'm not sorry. It's okay. We'll get through it together. (laughs)
1: I think we did get through it. There. Oh,
0: that's right. We did. The podcast is over. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening. Email us, MattandDory at gmail.com. Matt at gmail.com.
1: Call us at 413-461-BABY.
0: Uh,
1: leave us a review on iTunes so we can get on that bonus. So you
0: can get a bonus episode. Uh, check out the fret files. Uh, it's going to be weekly in a few months because they now can focus on the podcast and building guitars. Very excited. Cool. About, about that.
1: All right. Great. And thanks to everyone for all your bow suggestions.
0: And thank you for listening and putting up with our our dog. Yeah. Bye. Bye.
4: Let's get a silver bullet trailer and have a baby bow.